All right, man, it's great to be here today. I uh, love these summer months. You know, you come to church, go get some brunch, enjoy a Sunday afternoon, hopefully doing something fun. I hope the sun shines at some point today, too. And I am super excited about beach barbecue baptism. That's going to be a great time next week. Hope you're planning to be there. Um, uh, we got uh, burgers and brats. We got beach barbecue baptism. I was trying to think of another B. There's probably more Bs we could throw in there. There's probably something. So if you have another idea on that, maybe a bean salad. No, anyway, forget it. But I have to say, you know, John, it was hard for me to even pay attention to the announcements because your shoestrings matched your pants so incredibly well. Did anybody else like going, wow, like how did you do that? Am I the only one? Okay. <laughs> Can't help it. Sorry. <laughs> oh, man. What a distraction I just made. Okay. Um, anyway, you know, I, I think we'd all agree that there are certain words people have said that inspire us from time to time. You know, uh, quotes that are lifted off the pages of history um, that give us courage to face the future. For example, lately it seems like you hear a lot of commercials and people quoting uh, Theodore Roosevelt's um, The Man in the Arena. And it can be great when you're remembering um, that you're going to, or when you're thinking about facing some, some tough, tough opposition. It starts like this. You've heard or seen this before. It's, it's not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, something we've all heard many, many times, I'm sure. Uh, just this week, a friend of mine referenced uh, this quote that has inspired me at times when I've thought about stepping out into a, a new venture, and it's this quote right here. A, a ship in the harbor is safe, uh, but that's not what ships are made for. But I have to tell you, there's one quote that's repeatedly given me the courage to do what I know I need to do, maybe more than any other quote, and it would be this one right here. Anne Lamont, the author, she writes, my greatest fear is that I'll die on a day when I did not have a dessert. Anybody else? Mm, maybe not. Okay. <laughs> anyway, uh, but today as we continue this series, Profiles in Courage, and I, I just really enjoyed this series, and John's done such a great job, I think, getting, getting us started. We're going to look at another quote, and it's something a group of guys said that they said as they faced intense pressure to compromise their convictions. It's a quote that a group of guys said when they, they faced just incredibly intense pressure to compromise their convictions. And, and so during this series, you know, we're looking at Old Testament stories and, and we're looking at the lives of men and women who have faced incredible odds and yet somehow were able to find the courage to faithfully move forward in the face of tremendous opposition. And for today's story, we're turning to the book of Daniel in the Old Testament. And Daniel was a prophet and Daniel offered tremendous hope to the Jewish people when they were in exile and living in uh, Babylon under tr tremendous oppression. And in the writings of Daniel, he tells us about three young Jewish men who had risen to significant influence in Babylon during that time. In spite of being pulled out of their homeland into Babylon, they'd been given tremendous uh, opportunity. And they'd shown themselves faithful, and they, they began to have a lot of influence in that city. And their names were uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And I have to confess, whenever I hear their names, I always think of a real estate firm, my shack, your shack, and a bungalow. <laughs> I, I, I can't, I just do. <laughs> Every time I hear that, that's what I think of. So bear with me. It's Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. I'll try not to say their names wrong. But as our story begins, a King Nebuchadnezzar builds this statue. It's a golden idol. Now, when I say statue or golden idol, don't think of some trinket that you would put on the mantle. No, this thing's like 90 feet tall, nine feet wide. Think of something more like a 
10-story building. I mean, this thing is massive. And so this king sets up this idol and issues a decree that says this. He says, when the music plays, you've got to fall down and worship this massive image. Now, we don't know for sure how this was set up, but, but one scholar suggested that the statue was probably placed in the middle of the city. And so I was trying to think what that might be like. It would almost be like, if you can imagine where the bean is in Grant Park, imagine a 10-story statue being placed there. And then uh, around the bottom of that, there was like an orchestra of some kind. And whenever that orchestra began to play music, if you could hear it, then you had to, wherever you were in that moment, bow down and worship that statue. And this image likely represented the power of Nebuchadnezzar and his empire. And so in essence, Nebuchadnezzar, this tyrannical king, is saying, look, I want you to bow down to this image that represents my power. I want you to really worship me. And then it gets worse because then he adds this to the decree. He says, whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. If you don't bow down and worship, you'll immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. So Nebuchadnezzar is quite serious about this decree. And our story uh, gets quite dicey when the king finds out that there's three men who are refusing to bow down to this statue like everybody else is. They're just not going to do it. And it's our three friends, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And and they won't bow down. Why? Well, because they are committed to the one true God. And when Nebuchadnezzar finds out that they're not willing to bow down to this statue, this idol, he blows a royal gasket. And he calls them in and he basically says, okay, guys, here's the deal. Look, when the music bows down, when the music bows down, when the music plays, and I don't know if this is exactly how it went down, but this is kind of how I imagine the conversation going. When the music plays, just, just, you know, just bow down and worship the idol. Because I, I get the feeling he almost maybe liked these guys. They were getting, becoming influential. I don't think he really wanted to do what he was saying he needed to do. But he could not do this to them if they weren't doing what everybody else was doing. And so he's like, just, just bow down, okay, and to this idol. He doesn't even care if they're worshiping their one true God in private. He doesn't care what they do in private. But then he adds, but if you don't bow down then you're going to get thrown in the fiery furnace. And I know you're really big into this God of yours, but there's no God anywhere that can save you from becoming burnt to a crisp in this furnace. And as I look at this, it seems to me that King Nebuchadnezzar really is challenging our friends uh, to sort of privatize their faith. You know what I mean? It feels like he's kind of asking, just kind of privatize your faith. You know, you do, do whatever you want in private, you know, where you live or, or maybe even where you worship, okay? But when you're in public, when you're out there among everybody else where you can be seen, you got to bow down. You got to bow down. Just kind of, you know, keep it in private. But if you think about it, isn't that what we're often tempted to do sometimes? Kind of privatize our faith. You know, live it, live it out behind closed doors. You know, keep it there where, where nobody has to see it or, you know, where, where it doesn't really make any waves. See, it's, it's when we're at work, right? Or when we're out with our friends or maybe when we're with that special someone that we really do want to impress, that's when we feel the heat, right? I mean, when we go in public with our faith, that's when it gets much more complicated. I and mean, let's face it, it's not that hard right here, right now in this room, right? It's when we're in public, and so they're being tempted to, and challenged, really, I think, to, pr- to kind of privatize their faith. 
or face the terrifying and painful prospects of being burnt to death. And this is an incredible story. Um, you know, early in my marketplace career, I worked in the restaurant business. Some of you might not know that. I managed the French fryer at Burger King. Yes, I proudly wore this Burger King uniform. And now it's considered vintage. I found out this week as I Googled, my friend Googles that it's vintage. I think something should just not be referred to as vintage because it kind of dumbs down the term. <laughs> uh, but you know what? As I was thinking, there can't be too many things more capable of burning you than the Burger King fryer. Uh, after all, it takes a very intense heat, let me tell you, to get those french fries to that golden brown crispy perfection. I was very proficient at doing that, but in spite of my proficiency at french frying in Burger King, there were still times when that oil would somehow, you know, get out of the fryer and land on my tender skin. And let me tell you, that would burn like crazy. If you can imagine that hot oil landing on your skin. But I mean, as hot as that fryer was at Burger King, I mean, that was nothing compared to what these guys faced. I mean, this form of execution involved treating people like a piece of wood that was being thrown into a campfire. I mean, there would be no body left to, to mourn or bury, and, and that was huge in that culture. I mean, I mean, this kind of torture was reserved for the worst of the worst, and that's what our friends were facing. You know, worship the statue or get burned alive. Bend the knee, and you can go on with your lives. And they had pretty decent lives. Like I said, good jobs. They had a lot going for them. All they had to do was bow down. And I can imagine them saying you know, all sorts of stuff like, hey, you know, we're no good to God or anybody else dead. So let's just, I mean, let's just do this this one time. And it's not like we're going to really mean it. We'll just do it outwardly, and we won't really mean it inwardly, right? We'll just do this. You know, we'll just kind of go through the motions and we can get King Nebuchadnezzar off our backs. I can imagine one of them saying, well, let's just do it one time and then we'll ask for forgiveness. <laughs> Ever done that? <laughs> but that's not even what they come close to saying or doing. It's, it's startling. And, and here's the quote I want to share with you today and I want you to kind of take home, maybe, maybe write this reference down, Daniel 3, 16 and 18, and just like kind of reflect on that throughout the course of this week. They say this to the king. Check this out. King Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we are thrown into the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to deliver us from it. And he will deliver us from your majesty's hand. Now, I like how they're still being respectful even though they're telling him no. They call him majesty. <laughs> But even if God does not deliver us, we want you to know, your majesty, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. We are not going to do it. I mean, can you imagine how that had to frustrate the king? He's like, just, just, just do this one thing, okay? Don't make a spectacle. We've got to put this thing to the side, right? But in the face of this torturous death, these men say to the king, hey, the God we serve, he is able to save us, but you know what, even if he doesn't, we're still not going to bow down. I mean, that takes some tremendous courage, doesn't it? Tremendous faith. And then the king gets even more enraged, and he tells the guys to stoke his men, to stoke the fire, to make it even more hot, 
He takes Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, carries them off. They're bound, thrown into the furnace. And we read in Scripture that the furnace was so hot, it burnt up the guys who threw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the furnace. And so they're in the fire, okay? And I can only imagine that they're waiting for the unbearable heat, that searing pain, right? And it doesn't happen. I mean, what did that have to be like? All the anticipation, all the expectation, knowing you're just going to feel something so intensely painful you've never felt before, you're thrown in there, you're not feeling it. In fact, they're not even tied up anymore. They're walking around freely. And here's the best part. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, weren't there three men that we tied up and threw into the fire? Look, I, I see four men walking around in the fire, unbound and unharmed, and the fourth looks like a son of the gods. And I can imagine the king just kind of rubbing his eyes, looking again and again, what, what in the world am I seeing? We threw three guys in there. Now I see fourth. Am I hallucinating? And that fourth one looks a little bit different than the other three. There's something special about him. And we don't know for sure. Some scholars think that this was Jesus himself making an early bird appearance, almost like the preview before the actual motion picture arrives, you know what I mean? And I don't know, but it sounds kind of like Jesus, doesn't it? I mean, if he could walk on water, why not walk through the fire, right? Man, what a, what a, and what a tremendous reminder for us. Don't, don't let this slip by you. What a tremendous reminder for us this story is of what God is willing to do, walk through the fire of a furnace or even death on a cross for you and me. And what an incredible story of courage. These were real people who really lived. What an incredible story of courage. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, facing intense persecution, refused to bow down to this statue crafted by this king, knowing full well that it would mean that they would face death in a fiery furnace. When I was a kid, my mom and dad used to read this story to me. It scared the crap out of me. <laughs> and I remember this, this, it was kind of a cartoon booklet. It's like archway books or something. I don't know if they still make these things. And the furnace had, they like personified the furnace and it looked like it had like this face with these teeth and these eyes. And oh my goodness, it's so scary. But, you know, the question I always asked myself, I think even as a, as a kid, I was like overly conscious probably, was what would I do in a similar situation? You can't help but ask that question. Like, what would I do if I was told I had two options, bow down to the statue or face the fiery furnace? Man, I hope I would have the courage. But I, who knows? I, I just don't know. And while I think it's a pretty good question, I think it's pretty doubtful that any of us it, it, it's unlikely that we will face a life and death choice quite that intense. But see, I would suggest that we face life and death choices every day. Maybe many times a day. You know, Jesus said that he came to, to bring us life, right? And life to the full. And for these three, I mean, life to the full was a life publicly and privately privately and publicly dedicated to the one true God. So there was nothing that would stand between them and following God, even the fires of that furnace. And so I think a better question for us today might be this. I've got a little ways to go still. All right. <laughs> Just thought I'd check. We're okay. Um, 
I think a better question for us today is like, what life and death choices will I make today? What life and death choices are you making every day? Think about that. What life and death choices are you making every day uh, that determines who or what you will worship? I, I, what, what, what might that be for you? you know, it might be a decision you've got to make when it, when it becomes clear that you know, success in your career means you know, compromising some values or principles that you know are vitally important to your relationship with God. It might be saying no to a particular temptation or, or no to something you know is pulling you away from Jesus and the life that he wants for you. It might be a choice to be a, a peacemaker rather than to stoke the fires of conflict. It, it might be the choice to stand up for someone or, or some group of people that you know are marginalized or maybe uh, oppressed. Uh, author John Maxwell says this. He says, life is a matter of choices and every choice you make makes you. Think about that. Life is a matter of choices, and every choice you make makes you. And so we may not face a test that literally costs us our life in the moment, but see, I would say that we make life and death choices, and every choice you make makes you. And so for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, choosing life was to choose death in the furnace, right? But in choosing death, they actually found life. I mean, that's what Jesus said. He said, Whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever will lose their life for me will actually, what? Find it. Find it. So think about it. What life and death choices are you making every day? You know, choices that sometimes mean you're going to choose to face the furnace. You know, this story tells us that to fully follow Jesus, we will sometimes follow him into the furnace. And a lesson I think we can learn from our three friends is this. God's going to meet us in the furnace. Yeah, God's going to meet us in the furnace. Don't forget that. God will meet you in the fire. Uh, I, I led the memorial service for a family friend uh, yesterday and uh, uh, diagnosed with cancer like eight weeks ago and, and died so fast, so quick, 49 years old. And he made this comment to his family just days before he died. He said, I don't want to die, but I am not afraid to die. I don't want to die, but I'm not afraid to die. And I, I think he was able to say that because while he knew that God could heal him, save him from death, if you will, he, he knew even if God didn't, he was quite confident that God would save him through death and be with him through death. Does that make sense? Well, he knew God could save him. He also recognized it was looking like maybe he was going to choose not to for whatever reason, but he knew that God would still save him through death, be with him through the fire. And so he chose to face death with confidence. And let's not forget, when we're making these life or death choices every day, our God promises to be with us. Man, whatever you're dealing with, whatever choice you're, you're up against, whatever challenge you're facing, God is going to be with you like he was with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He may not take us out of the fire, but he will always be with us. Jesus said, I am with you always. And quick sidebar, just two observations that I think are so vital about this story, okay? There's so much here. I love that there were three people together in this. If I could just push on you a little bit. I think some of you are trying to follow Jesus on your own. 
I think you're trying to do it on your own, and that's not the way it's meant to be done. And you're facing all sorts of challenging situations by yourself. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, I think they were able to stand up to the king because they were together in this. They stood together. And you know, this story doesn't tell us about all the Jewish people that were there that probably did bow down to that idol. I'm sure there were hundreds, maybe thousands that did bow down. And we all are going to be facing similar situations where we look around and people all around us, okay, are going to be making choices and saying things and, and doing things that don't seem anything like what Jesus would say or do, all right? But you've got to make that choice and you're going to need a Shadrach and a Meshach or a Abednego and Shadrach with you in that. And that's what we want to be for you. That's what we're here for so we can stand together. That's one. The second thing is, I don't think they made this choice in the moment. I don't think this was, I think this was something that, it came out of who they were. They'd been developing um, a deep faith for quite some time. I mean, go back to that quote. Remember what they said? We know God will save us. They were confident that God would save us. Apparently, they'd seen him do stuff before. And then they said, but even if he doesn't, we're still not going to bow down to your statue. And I don't know about you, but, you know, I find myself sometimes thinking or saying to myself, you know what, doggone it, you know, I did this for God, or, you know, I followed him with my, my career, I followed him with my relationships, my finances, and he just hasn't really come through quite like I wanted him to. And then when I think about it for a while, I know I need to tell myself, Okay, well, or ask, well, how has he not come through for me? Because last time I checked, he never promised to take all my pain away. He never promised to take all the challenges away. He never promised life was going to be easy. He promised that he would always be with me, and that at the end, he would love me like nobody else has ever loved me, and he would die so that we could live together forever. So I'd say he's come through for me. And I'd say he's come through for you. And see, folks, we got to live and breathe in that reality. All right, I mean, day in and day out. You got to hold on to that. So that when the tests come, we can say, hey, God can rescue me from this, but even if he doesn't, I'm going to choose to follow him. Why? Because he's going to be with me in the fire anyway. God will meet us in the furnace. God will also reach others through our fire. You know, after Nebuchadnezzar sees the true God is with these three in the furnace, look at what he does. Check this out, Daniel 3.26. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out, come here. So they step out of the fire virtually untouched. They didn't even smell of smoke. And so then Nebuchadnezzar says this, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defied the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any God except their own God. Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The same guy who was going to kill them if they didn't bow down to his idol and worship now is worshiping and praising the one true God. So God's going to impact others through the tough choices that you make for him. He's going to do that. Whatever fire you're going through, whatever challenge you're facing, God will not only meet you in that fire, he's going to reach people through the choices that you make. And then lesson number three, God's going to bless you through the furnace. He's going to bless you, folks. After coming out of the furnace, look what happens. Just read that one yourself. Look what happened. God blessed him. 
He gave them new positions, new opportunities to serve, to influence. Now here's where it gets tricky. I wish I could say the particular way that God's going to bless you, but I can't. And anybody who tells you they can, don't listen to them because they can't tell you. We don't get to pick how God's going to bless us. He just says that he's going to bless us for our faithfulness. So whatever you're going through right now, whatever challenge you're facing, whatever fire you might be in or feel like you're about to face, folks, God will be with you. He will reach others through you and he will bless you in the midst of that. All right, I'm gonna wrap this up and I wanna do something and ask you to do something quite dangerous. I wanna challenge you to pray a dangerous prayer today. And it's gonna be on the screen. And the prayer says this, God, give me an opportunity to grow in my love for you. I no longer ask you mainly for comfort or success or security. God, I ask you to lead me wherever you want so that I grow closer to you and so others' lives are changed. Even if it means following you into the fire because I know you will meet me there. That's a dangerous prayer, isn't it? And so if you're not, you're not sure about praying that prayer, that's okay. Just, I, what I want you to do more than anything is just be honest with God. Tell him what you're thinking, what you're feeling. Be honest with him. Jesus never said that, you know, God has a wonderful plan for your life and it's a great house, a great spouse, two and a half great kids, a great job, a nice car. No, he never said that. Jesus said, follow me, bow to no one other than me. There will be trouble along the way, but it's going to be an incredible journey that you will not want to miss. So get into the arena, set sail from the harbor, and sure, on the way, have a dessert or two. <laughs> and my prayer is that we could be people who say, yep, the God we serve is able to save us. He is able, but if he doesn't, we won't butt out. And so I'm going to ask if you would right now, uh, similar to what Jenna asked us to do last week, if you're here, I, I want you to um, maybe just take a deep breath in. Would you take a deep breath in through your nose? All right, yeah. And then out, out through your mouth, take a deep breath. And I want you to put, if you would, please put both your feet on the, on the ground and, and just take a relaxing posture of prayer this morning. And then lastly, I, I would love it if you would just hold your hands out like this, okay? As a, it's sort of a, an indication of receptivity. You're willing to receive what God has for you. Because in a moment, I'm just going to ask the Holy Spirit to come. And then I'm going to give you a few moments to, to pray that prayer on the screen. And again, if that's not the prayer you're ready to pray, that's okay. You simply use this time however you want to listen to God and share with him whatever might be on your heart, whatever you need to tell him. And so um, as you do, remember, God will be with you. Others are going to be impacted through you, and you'll be blessed because of your faithfulness. All right, so I'm going to ask the Holy Spirit to come. And then we're going to see that prayer on the screen. And if you feel led to pray that prayer, you pray that prayer in the quietness of your own heart. And if you're not ready for that, pray whatever it is that you need to pray between you and God. And then a little bit, the band's going to come and lead us in a, a song that beautifully expresses what we've been talking about this morning. All right. All right, Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we ask for you to come. Invade this space, God. Fill us up. We need you, Father. Holy Spirit, come.